welcome to the Mind Your Hormones podcast. My name's Corinne, and I'm a board-certified holistic nutritionist who went from no period from mismanaged PCOS to a regular one. Now, I'm obsessed with helping you get hormonally balanced and emotionally aligned. This podcast is all about education, empowerment, real talk, and simple strategies you could start today to find inner peace and overall well-being. I am so excited to be here with you to chat about all things health, hormones, and mindset. Are you ready? Let's get it. What's up? I'm so happy to be back for today's episode because this is the first Q&A segment, so I'm really pumped for it. I'm taking questions straight from you that you've asked me. We're going to be going over four questions today, and the topics are physical signs of ovulation, what are cycle phases, the best types of exercise for your hormonal balance, and what is in a regular period? Like, what actually is that? So I'm just going to dive right in because these could get a little um, detail-oriented, and I still want to keep this episode short. So I definitely could do full episodes on each of these topics, which I might do for some of them. So I'm just going to give you a broad overview of each of these topics so we can you know, get through all of them and still keep it at a shorter length because the feedback has been that you like the lengths, the, the shorter lengths of these episodes. So here we go. Let's dive in. Number one is from Martha, and she asks, How do you naturally check for ovulation? What are the physical signs? So I absolutely love this question because I used to think, and many other people think this as well, that as long as you're getting your period, as long as you're bleeding, that means that you're ovulating, but that's actually not true. Bleeding is not a sign of ovulation. Because your follicles, which if you don't know what that is, that's a small sack of fluid, your follicles still make estrogen as they grow and try to ovulate, and eventually that uterine lining will have to shed whether or not you ovulated or not. So just so in case you don't know exactly what ovulation is, that's when one of your follicles grows big enough and is stimulated by LH, which is luteinizing hormone, that it finally ruptures and releases an egg. So... Just because you're bleeding does not mean that you're ovulating. It just means that you're shedding that lining that was building up, okay? So here are the physical signs of ovulation. Number one is egg white consistency. I'm going to go through all of these, but I'll just give you ahead of time what they actually are. Number one is egg white consistency of like cervical fluid. Number two is testing your waking temperature or your basal body temperature. And number three would be a blood test during your mid-luteal phase to show higher levels of progesterone. So let me break that down. You, of course, we have fluid, we have discharge just randomly and, you know, having fluid down there is normal, but the way that you know it's actually from ovulation is when it's an egg white consistency. So it's stretchy. It'll stay wet. Like if it gets on your finger, I should have, you know, gave you a little forewarning. This is going to get a little graphic, but whatever. That's what you're here for. You want the real deal and this is it. So the egg white consistency, it gets stretchy. It stays wet. If it's like on your finger, it won't dry up easily. And this happens before ovulation. Okay, so this will start happening leading up to ovulation. However, 
This can also happen anytime in your cycle that estrogen levels are high. That is when, because in that part of your, our cycle, our estrogen levels are higher, which is what causes this egg white consistency of cervical fluid. But if your hormones are kind of imbalanced and you have excess estrogen, which is a super common imbalance, especially with PCOS and endometriosis and hormonal conditions like that, you can have this cervical fluid at any time that your estrogen levels are high. But in general, this is what you will notice the egg white consistency fluid before ovulation. Okay, this is before ovulation. Then the second one, your waking temperature, your basal body temperature, this you need to actually buy a thermometer and not just a regular one. It needs to be a basal body temperature that can get to like the 10th of a degree. And this will actually, the way you do it is you take your temperature every single morning when you're laying in bed before you actually get out of bed. And for it to be more precise, it needs to be about the same time every single morning that you're taking your temperature. And when you know that you ovulated is when you will see a spike in your temperature. When you see that spike in your temperature, that happens after ovulation. So that means that you already ovulated. And the reason for that is because the only way that our bodies naturally make the hormone progesterone is by ovulating. And progesterone is a hormone that raises your temperature. So if you see a spike in your basal body temperature, that shows that you ovulated because you made progesterone. And the only way that we make progesterone is by ovulation. And once that, that spike happens, it needs to stay high until you get your period, which is generally about 10 to 14 days later. If you just get a random spike and then the temperatures go back down, that does not mean that you ovulated. It needs to stay high until you actually bleed. So um, just a general guideline for what the temperatures will be. Before ovulation, your temperatures will be about 97 degrees Fahrenheit to 97.7. And then after ovulation, it'll raise about 0.5 of a degree. So it'll be in like the 98 degree range. Okay. And again, that shows that you have already ovulated. So if you are trying to conceive, if you see that spike, you can be like, okay, let's try now because no, that means you already ovulated. So what you need to do is consistently take your temperature and then you'll see a pattern. Hopefully if it's, a, if, you know, if your period is regular, you will see a pattern of when you ovulate. So you'll know, okay, my temperature spiked on this day. So that means that I was ovulating right before that, or this egg white consistency is happening now. So it means I'm going to be ovulating. So those are the two best ways, in my opinion, to show, to tell if you are ovulating. And then that's just a physical sign you could do on your own. And then you could also get a blood test during your luteal phase, which is, comes after ovulation, which I'm going to get into cycle phases right after this. But you could get a blood test during that time. And if it shows that you have higher levels of progesterone, it shows that you ovulated. Again, you could do it with your basal body temperature, but if you want to get real specific and really um, show it within a blood test, that's how you could do it too. So that's number one. And then this kind of, oh, actually, wait, before I go on, it's actually common to occasionally not ovulate. So if you're taking your basal body temperature and you're testing this out and you normally ovulate, but like one or two months randomly you didn't, it's fine. It's actually normal for that to happen. It's when it's mostly that you don't ovulate where there's an issue, just to give a little caveat on that. Okay, the second question is from Sam, which this leads perfectly into this question, and she asks, 
what do you mean when you say cycle phases? So this, I'm absolutely going to do a full podcast episode on this because I can get real detail-oriented. So for this question and for this episode, I'm going to give you a quick overview of the phases just in case you don't know because I never knew that we had cycle phases. I just thought there was your period and then you know when you ovulate, when you can get pregnant. I had no idea that there were other phases in your menstrual cycle. I guess I missed that in health class. <laughs> um, so, okay. We have four phases to our cycle, and the four phases are follicular, ovulation, luteal, and menstruation. So that's in order, and although when we are counting our periods, we always say, okay, day one is the day you start bleeding, but it's actually the last phase. It's like the grand finale of everything that has happened before it. So your first phase is follicular, which is the phase that happens right after you get your period. After your follicular phase comes ovulation, which we just talked about. After ovulation comes the luteal phase. And then after that is your menstrual phase or your menstrual cycle. So I'm going to just give you a little details on each one. And then another question that comes up in this um, Q&A will kind of go into it a little bit more. And then again, I'm definitely going to do another podcast episode on this because I'm learning more about this a lot and about how you can eat differently during specific phases of your cycle, if you do have a regular cycle and you just still have some PMS symptoms. So it's really interesting. I really like it. I'm trying it out in my own body right now. So I'm definitely going to be doing more information on this. But for today's episode, let's go to the follicular phase. So this is when your hormones are low, but estrogen, testosterone, and FSH, which is follicular stimulating hormone, and that is a pituitary hormone that stimulates your ovarian follicles to grow, which we talked about in the ovulation question just before. So your estrogen, your testosterone, and your FSH are slowly increasing during this phase and stimulating your follicles to make estrogen. So normally when we have our period, that's that's when your hormones are at their absolute lowest which is why if you do have some hormonal imbalances and your hormones are super low at that time, you can experience symptoms of anxiety and depression and you just don't feel well even leading up to that. But then after your period is gone, your mood starts increasing, your energy starts increasing, and that's because your hormones are starting to increase at that time. And then your ovulation, this is when the rise in FSH, the the follicular, sorry, follicular stimulating hormone, that pituitary hormone that stimulates your ovarian follicles to grow, that is when it stimulates the hormones to release an egg, which is ovulation. And during this phase, your estrogen also continues to rise to thicken that lining up that will later be shed during your actual period. Um, And testosterone is also high around this time also because it is, you know, increasing your sex drive because your body's like, hey, now's the time. Let's get it going. Um, So that's what goes on during ovulation. And then after ovulation is your luteal phase. And this is when your progesterone levels rise because as I said in the last question, ovulation is the only way that our body naturally produces progesterone. So progesterone counterbalances estrogen. They're kind of like yin and yang. So progesterone thins the uterine lining and estrogen thickens it. So it's kind of like they're opposites, but not. They like they work together, but they're yin, yin and yang. So your luteal phase is when your progesterone is at its highest if you ovulated. Again, this is only if you ovulated. And the benefits of progesterone, the main point of progesterone is to hold on to a pregnancy because um, your progesterone levels need to be high for that. However, 
They are there are so many other benefits of progesterone. So if you're like, oh, I'm not interested in getting pregnant, it's still so important that you ovulate because again, ovulation is the only way you make progesterone. And the benefits of progesterone are it reduces inflammation, it helps build muscle, it promotes sleep, it protects protects against heart disease. It calms your nervous system. It's good for your metabolism, your thyroid, your hair health, your skin health, so many different factors. So it's super important to know that you are ovulating even if you don't want to get pregnant. Okay. It's really important. So like I'm tracking my ovulation with the basal body temperature. I'm not trying to get pregnant right now, but it's really important as someone with PCOS, it's super important to see that I am ovulating and to make sure that I am. And if I'm not, I know I need to troubleshoot and figure out what I need to do. So I really do highly recommend, even if you don't want to get pregnant, for you to track your ovulation to make sure that you are ovulating, especially if you're experiencing hormonal imbalances, because if you're not ovulating, that is like the number one step where we would need to correct it and heal that moving forward. So that's luteal phase. And then after that is your period, which obviously you know what your period is. And that is when your hormones quickly decline to their absolute lowest levels. So in general, if if I say, or if anybody who's talking about phases say in the beginning of your cycle, that means your follicular and your ovulation phase. And then the second half of your cycle is your luteal and your menstruation phase. So in general, you have the most energy during your follicular and your ovulation phase, and then your energy starts to decline during your luteal and menstruation phase. So it's really important to know about this because a lot of times we think like, oh, I'm just supposed to feel great or feel the same every single day, but that's not true. It's just not, doesn't even make sense because your body has so many different things going on at different phases of your cycle that you're not going to feel the same every day. You're going to be in a better mood. You're going to be more energetic and everything in the first half of your cycle, again, your follicular and ovulatory phases, and then you're going to have less energy and your mood will most likely dip a bit in the second half of your cycle during luteal and menstruation. However, once your hormones are balanced, this dip, this change in energy, especially mood, will definitely lessen. You won't have as drastic of a change where you're like feeling super low, you're super moody, like all of those PMS symptoms, those happen in the luteal phase. Um, And especially, like I said, if your hormones are out of balance, you will experience extreme PMS symptoms in that luteal phase. But once your hormones are more balanced out, the dip won't be as severe. However, you still will feel differently, and it's still super important to eat differently, exercise differently, depending on what phase of your cycle you're in, which again, I will definitely get into in a later episode. I'm going to talk a little bit about it in this next question, but that is the idea of your phases. So there are four phases in your cycle. So notice it now. If you're like, you know, if you do get a period, notice like, oh yeah, I do feel different during the beginning or during the end. And it's mo- and also uh, something I should mention is that in the beginning of your cycle, your follicular and your ovulatory phase, you're generally not as hungry. You don't need as calorically dense foods as you need in the second half of your cycle, your luteal and menstruation phase, because you naturally burn more calories in your luteal phase. So if you're noticing like, oh my God, why all of a sudden am I famished in the morning when two weeks ago I was fine, I didn't have to eat right away, this is why. So just start noticing it. It's really cool to see once you know that there are different phases and that you will feel differently, it's really cool to notice a difference. So 
definitely check that out. And if you are noticing your differences and you want to chat more about it, DM me on Instagram at Corinne Angelica. I love this topic. And like I said, I'm definitely going to do a full episode on this, more so geared towards nutrition and exercise of how it changes throughout your cycle. But moving into that is a third question from Cassie. And she's asked, are slow exercises beneficial or do you need to do intense workouts to make an actual impact? Ooh, I love this question. Thank you so much for asking. Also, thank you to, to everybody for asking. Martha and um, Sam, thank you for your questions. Sorry, I should have said that already. But I really appreciate you giving me questions because, like I said, I want this to be a conversation between us, and I want to know what you're asking. And if you have these questions, that means other people are also wondering the same thing. So I really appreciate pre- appreciate you asking these questions. So, okay, Cassie. Slow exercises, are they beneficial or do you need to do intense workouts? This is something that is such a cultural, I don't know what you want to call it, um, uh, something that we think that you have to be running, you have to be doing a hit, you have to be doing cross uh, CrossFit every day to actually lose weight and to make an impact. And most studies that are done on exercise are done on men. Men do not have phases of a cycle like we do, and they do not operate the same as we do. So the studies that are found on intense workouts and all of this, they're done on men or postmenopausal women, not women of reproductive age. So that's just something important to note. And okay, let me back up. Like I said in the last question, in the first half of your cycle, your follicular and your ovulation phase, you have more energy than the second half of your cycle, your luteal and menstruation phase. So it's important to change your workouts. If if you have more energy in the first two phases, that's when you could do more intense workouts if that's something that you like to do, like HIIT workouts or um, uh, cycling or a cardio workout. The best times to do that are in the first half of your cycle. And then the second half of your cycle, when your energy dips and your hormones are dipping, that's when you should not be pushing yourself to do these HIIT workouts, CrossFit, running, all of that. That is the time where you do your strength training, the slow workouts, yoga, Pilates, stretching, walking, those types of exercises. However, if you are in the early stages of managing your PCOS or you're healing your hormonal imbalances, if you are in an imbalanced state right now, it is super important to keep your workouts to no more than 30 minutes because that time limitation will prevent excess cortisol production, which cortisol is just is a stress hormone. It prevents that excess cortisol production and adrenal fatigue. So let me just talk about what happens when you actually get your heart pumping so this can make sense to you. When your heart is pumping, so if you're doing a cardio, if you're doing an intense workout, it burns glucose, your body will burn glucose in your bloodstream for energy, okay? But that supply will only last about 30 minutes. After that 30 minute mark, your body will turn to your adrenal glands, which then start pumping out the stress hormone cortisol, which converts stored fat into usable glucose so you have energy to continue working out, which sounds great. You're like, oh, okay, it's taking my fat and putting it into energy. Sounds amazing. But 
if you have unresolved hormonal issues like excess estrogen, which most people, especially if you have PCOS, endometriosis, if you're experiencing symptoms of heavy periods, um, irregular periods, breast tenderness, mood swings, all of that, you most likely have excess estrogen. So if you do have that unresolved hormonal issue, the estrogen overload programs your body to convert any circulating glucose back into fat. So instead of burning that fat as energy, you're storing it. Let me say that again for the people in the back. If you have excess estrogen, so if you have an irregular period, most likely PCOS, endometriosis, symptoms such as, um, I just said irregular period, so such as breast tenderness, heavy periods, clots in your periods, heavy cramping, all of those symptoms, mood swings, you most likely have excess estrogen. If that's the case and you're working out more than 30 minutes and your heart is pumping more than 30 minutes, you are going to convert any circulating glucose because again, after that 30 minute mark, your body, instead of using the glucose that's in your bloodstream, it turns to your adrenal glands okay, to pump out the stress hormone cortisol. Your body will start converting that uh, circulating glucose back into fat. Instead of burning fat, you start storing it. And this is most likely or more likely to happen in your luteal phase when your body naturally pumps out more cortisol. That's why it's even more important to make sure that you are doing slower exercises during that luteal phase because you're just going to be counteracting what you're trying to do if you're not. Okay, so I hope that makes sense. That was like such a light bulb moment when I learned that. I'm like, wow. Oh, and also, if you do have PCOS, we naturally, it's harder for us to naturally lower our cortisol levels. So even after working out, if your cortisol levels are high, they will stay high longer than someone who does not have PCOS, okay? And then this whole cycle will just continue. And then, okay, so I'm going to also break it down into more PCOS-specific with insulin resistance. Insulin resistance is super common with PCOS, and what that is, in case you don't know what it is, it's when the cells in your muscles, your fat, your liver, they don't respond well to insulin. They're not sensitive to it, so you can't use the glucose from your blood for energy, okay? So when you're insulin resistant, the insulin is trying to get inside of that cell and the cell isn't opening up. It's not letting it in. Okay. So if you're doing long, intense exercises, when that happens, you pump sugar into your bloodstream to burn for energy. But when you have insulin resistance, the influx of sugar in the blood and that increase of cortisol, the stress hormone from increasing your heart rate and working out release from a high intense workout will get stored as fat again instead of burned off as energy, which when that happens, it results in fatigue, fat storage, and weight gain, which are the things that we don't want to happen, which is why you're working out. So it's just, I I, I want to scream this from the rooftops. Please share this with everybody and anybody because it's so unfortunate when someone is trying to lose weight or trying to not even lose weight, trying to have a healthier lifestyle and manage a PCOS and just feel better. And they're doing these workouts thinking that it's going to help and it's actually backfiring and doing the exact opposite. If you, if you know, you know, if you're someone who has worked out all the time and you're like, I'm still not losing weight, I'm running all the time. I don't know what's happening. This is the reason why, but we are so programmed to think that we need to do this intense workout. Otherwise it's not working. Otherwise we're not going to lose weight. And that's just so not true, especially if you are in a hormonal imbalanced state. 
It is so important for you to do slow strength training workouts, yoga, walking, especially in the second half of your cycle. And the strength training is really important because when you're using your muscles, it'll pick up that extra sugar in your blood and use it for the energy. So when you're using your muscles slowly with a lot of weights, it really helps your insulin resistance, especially doing weighted workouts with your legs because your legs are the biggest muscle in your body. So I hope that makes sense. And the overall answer, Cassie, is are slow exercises beneficial? Yes, they absolutely are. If you're doing yoga and then you're walking, that's amazing. Yoga also really helps balance your nervous system out. It reduces cortisol levels. It helps reduce inflammation. It helps stimulate certain glands. So it really helps your period. It's an amazing workout. So again, it is important to raise your heart rate at some points for cardiovascular um, reasons. However, if you are in that state where you're really out of balance right now, make sure you are not exercising past that 30-minute point when you're doing something that it's raising your heart rate. You could do a yoga class for longer than 30 minutes if it's slow and your heart rate is not getting high, okay? So I hope that makes sense. And then the last question, I'm just going to quickly go over this because it's already at the 25-minute mark, and I wanted to keep this under 20 minutes. So the last question is from Tracy, number four. Tracy, she asks, what qualifies as an irregular period? So Tracy, thank you for asking this question because it is misleading someone if you hear, oh, irregular, you're like, what does that actually mean? So in general, a regular period can range anywhere from 21 to 35 days. Now, the average is 28, but it's not the rule, okay? And the the thing that is important is that you consistently are getting it about the same every single time. So either if your cycle is always 25 days, that's great. If it's always 35 days, that's fine. The consistent timing month after month is what's most important. And then the way that you count your cycle from day one to day one. So you count day one as the first day of your heavy flow. So if you get like a little spotting beforehand, that is not day one. Day one is when you actually start bleeding. And then from there, you start counting day one and then the next period you get is day one again, and then that would be your cycle. And in general, now that you know the phases, the follicular phase will be anywhere from 7 to 21 days. Your luteal phase could be anywhere between 10 and 16 days. So that's just like the general. It depends. Every woman is different. Every person is different. Um, it just is really important that it's consistent and that you're ovulating. So again, to check for those signs. So Tracy, Cassie, Sam and Martha, thank you so much for your questions. I really appreciate it. I know that other people were wondering the same things. So thank you for asking. I'm going to do these every couple episodes. So if you do have a question, please head over to Instagram at Corinne Angelica. DM me. I would love to hear what you're wondering. I really want to know what you want to hear about. So having these questions is really important. So thank you for sticking with me through this longer episode. I hope it was really helpful for you. I'm super excited to be here. I really appreciate you listening and being part of this community. Oh, and I totally forgot to mention this. Okay, so I recently set up a free texting community where I send out twice weekly texts about hormone health, nutrition, and mindset tips straight to your phone. It's totally free. You could respond back to me. We could have a conversation. So I'm so excited about it. If you want in, text the word Corinne, C-O-R-I-N-N-E to 855 691 
0508. And if you're driving or you're in the shower, or you're doing your makeup or you're cleaning, this will of course be in the show notes. So you could go back later when you have time to sign up. But again, it's totally free, such a fun way for us to connect. So if you're interested, again, text the word Corinne, C-O-R-I-N-N-E to 855-691-0508 for cool hormone health, um, like informational tips and mindset tips just a couple times throughout the week to keep you accountable, keep you pumped up and keep you learning about it. Cause obviously if you're listening to this podcast, you want to learn more about it. So it's just another fun way to do that. So yeah, jump on in until next time. Have a great rest of your week and I'll chat with you soon. Thank you so much for being here. If you loved this episode and learned something valuable, please share it with a friend who you think would also love it or post it on social media and tag me so I could personally say thank you for helping me spread this important message. I am beyond grateful to be here with you. So until next time, stay intentional, stay consistent, and always mind your hormones.